Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday sermon was given by Reverend Amanda Golbeck, First Pres Minister of Children and Youth. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading is from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, much of which we just heard in this wonderful baptism. You will find that in the New Testament section of our Pew Bibles on page 32 on the screen. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Gracious God, Give us humble, teachable, and obedient hearts that we may receive what you have and do what you have commanded. Since we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth, make us hunger for this heavenly food, that it may nourish us today in the ways of eternal life. Is Christ the bread of heaven. Amen. After Jesus was risen from the dead, he gave direction to his disciples. Matthew 28, verse 16. Now the eleven to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy and loving and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you this day. Having heard your word, Lord, make us go out as changed people. Amen. I always feel like this is one of those paradoxical scriptures to read within the walls of the church. It is predicated on action, on the act of going and of doing. It feels like we should, we should be in the park or we should be by the lake or maybe standing in the middle of downtown Evanston or downtown Chicago, perhaps. And I suppose that is the inherent tension that exists for us as we hear this scripture today in 2023, after the Christian movement has become solidified in buildings and individual communities. This text is directed to the disciples, but also ultimately to each of us here in this place. And it does inform how we orient and design our community here, the work we do, 
such as baptism. And yet, it is an instruction that is focused on compelling us to engage with others outside the walls of this place. I sometimes kind of think of this text as though it feels a little like a graduation speech for the disciples, and maybe perhaps a little bit for us. After spending all sorts of time with Jesus, walking with him through his ministry and then through his death and resurrection, they stand on a mountain in Galilee, and Jesus gives them one last pep talk. And then suddenly the pep talk turns into a lifelong career. Graduation speeches are interesting in that they are intended to be one last attempt to give graduates a bump of advice that can carry them into and through the next chapter of their lives. This time of year, graduation speeches are plentiful, and we often hear tidbits on the news and on social media about advice that is given by famous people to the current graduating class. I will be honest, maybe this is the case for you. I have sat through three personal graduation ceremonies and many more of family and friends, and I can't for the life of me remember any details about what was said, what advice was given, what charge I was commissioned to live into. I wonder a little what I wonder a little what of this speech by Jesus actually sunk in those first disciples. I imagine them standing with post-resurrection Jesus trying to grapple with everything that has happened, nodding their heads, affirming to Jesus that they would in fact do all the things he instructed, all while internally wondering how they were actually going to honor what Jesus was telling them. The 11 disciples who stand before a post-resurrection Jesus aren't trained in evangelism. They don't probably even have a concept of what we think of as evangelism. They aren't even entirely sure who Jesus is as they still sort out the events of Holy Week. And yet they are who Jesus commissions to carry forward discipling the world. A group of ragtag disciples who have no idea what lays before them are who Jesus calls into sharing himself with the world. I doubt they felt prepared or ready. I know they didn't have all the answers, and yet they went. They stepped into the world and one by one built relationships and in turn grew the number of disciples. This is what we need to consider as we engage with this scripture. What does it mean for each of us to be called into making disciples just as those first disciples were called? It is tempting to read the scripture, the Great Commission, as it is commonly known, and talk ourselves out of its personal significance. We ignore this text because we know the ways that our Christian ancestors interpreted the idea of making disciples of all nations as justification for enacting colonial dominion 
over others. We don't want to perpetuate this type of sharing Jesus with the world, so we avoid the whole topic. On the other hand, we equally, equally legitimize avoiding the topic by concluding that this text is, peak, is speaking to some special particular group of our community. I, I'm either too old or too young or all sorts of things can come to mind of excuses. It is definitely not speaking to me. It is clearly directed to the extroverted folks who can make friends with anyone or those that know just the right thing to say to anyone they meet. It is for those that are excited to go places around the world and share the gospel. It is easy in a church like ours to convince ourselves that the scripture is talking only to our mission ministry. We hand off this text and it's called to those that feel most comfortable jumping in to mission activities, assuming that those are the people who Jesus is talking to when he says, go and make disciples. There is no fine print in this text. You, you can't read between the lines, the Greek and the English, they all read the same. We are all called to go and to make disciples, to encourage baptism and teach the way of Jesus. There is no exception to this call. None of us is more or less qualified. None of us is exempt. This call is for each and every one of us and doesn't have to look like dominion over another or like a charismatic leader traveling to far off countries. The Great Commission is a call for each of us to engage in discipling those we encounter in whatever corner of the world we find ourselves in. It is a call to share Christ with the world, not because we are obligated to, but because we desire all who we encounter to know the reconciling love of God. One example of this, which we all engaged in this morning, is that of baptism. We don't baptize so we can pat ourselves on the back and add one more name to some invisible tally sheet. We welcome this wonderful child through the sacrament of baptism because we have seen and experienced a new life in Christ. Because we know that Beckett has been named and claimed by a God who is ever faithful surrounding him in an unending love that will sustain him through each and every day of his life. We baptize Beckett not only because we are commissioned by Jesus to go and baptize, but because we believe that Beckett himself is called. He is claimed by God as one of the family of God as a disciple, and he too is commissioned to go and make disciples. As a baby, he does it simply through being a witness to the love of God, exemplified in the joy of a child, through showing us, as the Gospels remind, that the wonder of a child is the posture and approach to faith that we are called to have. Children are often the most open about their faith in Jesus, 
being ever inviting and having little to no inhibition around inviting a friend to join along for church or other faith activity. As Beckett grows, as we have seen with other children in the church, he will learn the ways of Jesus and will grow in sharing Jesus with those around him. If Beckett can be called this day, how too then can each of us be called? We cannot shy away from the significance of this scripture in our journey as disciples. And while we cannot shy away from its significance, we should also not let it become so large in our minds that we feel too daunted and unqualified to embrace what it asks of us. Discipling another is not a matter of convincing someone that God exists or disproving the myriad of equivocations that culture supplies. Discipling another is a matter of joining them in the life they are already living and helping them to see the ways that God is already present and working. The Great Commission is a call to do little things with great love. Fuller Youth Institute has been doing research on discipling young people. Particularly, they have been looking at what aspects of discipling help young people to continue growing in faith beyond their time in youth ministry. While their findings are connected to young people, there is a great deal that can be extrapolated out and applied to our general understanding of discipleship. Fuller developed this five-point compass for nurturing faith. When we think about the call to go and make disciples, we can find ourselves tripped up over what it looks like to, in, to actually engage with someone in the process of discipleship. The five areas that Fuller has identified are useful starting place for us as we engage more intentionally in cultivating disciples around us. The first area that Fuller identified is that of cultivating trust. When we think about sharing the journey of faith with coworkers and neighbors and friends at school or those we encounter day to day, we often are intimidated by the idea that we need to make sure that we start talking about Jesus within the first five minutes of talking with the person. You will get to Jesus. The Spirit will help you go there when it makes sense. Discipling comes from a place of connection and knowing one another. Consider how you connect with those around you. How can you either begin or continue to get to know someone in your life? How can you go to coffee and ask the simple questions that will build the relationship that will lead to Jesus? The next area that is, of modeling, is that of modeling growth. Discipling someone requires us to be open to engaging with those around us in a way that allows us to see consistently and authentically living out the values and beliefs of faith. This connects in the next area, which is teaching to transform. Discipling someone means welcoming their curiosity and desire to learn. We must be open to going where others need to go in regards to their questions and exploration of who God is and how God is transforming the world and their lives. 
Discipling isn't just about reading and, and learning and thinking. Jesus didn't say, go and lecture those around you until they follow me. Walking beside someone in their discipleship journey is about experiencing the embodied walk of faith. How can you and another person practice faith together by serving and engaging your faith in the world, which in turn will lead you to the final area that Fuller identifies on their compass, that of making meaning. One of the greatest challenges we face today as we wrestle with experiencing God in our lives is making meaning of what we are experiencing. Discipleship requires us to integrate what we encounter through the biblical witness and in our day-to-day lives with the ways that we are living out our faith. Often we engage in faith activities. We go to church or Bible study, and we don't stop to process, to make meaning, to reflect on how serving or coming here or participating in your small group is shaping our faith and connecting us with God. Discipleship. The commission that we have been handed is not a one-way road. The areas that Fuller have identified are not a magical equation that promise a determined outcome. They are pieces of what is a lifelong journey. This is also the heart of what we are called into through the great co-mission. We are called to engage in a lifelong journey where we continue to grow in our discipleship through those that we seek to disciple. As we go out this day, I challenge us to be brave. And like those first disciples who I am sure had no idea what they were getting into, to be willing to embrace our call, to build relationships, to reach out to those we encounter, and to share Jesus with whom all we meet. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.